Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. This is Dumpty Dum, a podcast about the archers and the goings-on of Ambridge. It's P&Q here. I'm Philippa Hall, a woman who never forgets a pat lunch. And I'm Quentin Rayner, identifying as a lesbian mentor. Well, at least for the duration of this podcast. Our support band are the Straw Crows, which is you lot, our lovely Dumpty Dummers. Now, I should be hosting with Katie today, but she's not well. So Q has gallantly stepped in to rescue the episode. Thank you, Q, and get better soon, Katie. Yes, please do. Yes, well, Dumpty Dum is the people's podcast. And on this episode, we have 12 caller inners, WhatsApp inners and email inners. We hear from Edna ticking off those on her checklist. Bernadette on an Ambridge apprenticeship. Ditsy of Darrington bearing witness on proceedings. Vicky, who builds a very convincing argument about Grey Gables. Witherspoon on an odd couple. Farcical Paul. Richard serving up nonsense. Catherine with a French connection. And Jen, who wants the T-shirt. And an email from David in Carmarthenshire, who needs to talk about Natasha. A message from Melly about memories and an email from Lillian about Josh. Plus, we have The Week in Ambridge by Suey, a two-minute history on the subject of book clubs in Ambridge by Stephen, Wahoo! a roundup of the Dum Dum Facebook group by Rob, and the three Twitter gongs, bronze, silver and gold, awarded by Purple Pumpkin. Marvellous. Now, before Quentin and I start chatting too much, let's remind ourselves of what happened this week with the roundup of The Week in Ambridge from R. Suey. Hello lovely people, it's Siri here. It's going to be a short one this time. I'll be going up to Thursday night and Philippa is going to fill you in on Friday's episode. Uh, My dad died on Thursday, a few months after a fall last November and it's been a very long year for us. So I'm giving myself tonight off. 
Anyway, it's all done now. We're pretty relieved, to be honest. So cracking on. Right, let's have a quick reminder of the week so far. Ruth and David remained utterly oblivious, Kel surprise, of the stip relationship. At one point, Ruth brought up Stella's name, but they decided that she must be Pip's lesbian mentor. Oh, bless. Then she switched to thinking it was Pip's friend Lottie, and I'm hardly surprised as they were laying on the compliments to each other with a trowel. Pip is taking Rosie off to the seaside and Lottie is bringing her daughter Madison along to the flower and produce show at Brookfield. It seems pretty inevitable that Ruth will wade in with both feet and all guns blazing. Frankly, Pip is behaving like a giddy teenager who doesn't want to be caught. I hope it all comes about in the open so they can just get on with it, like Brad and Mia. Paul forced Josh to abandon his plans for drinking the bowl for his birthday and instead, non-speaking Lily, went out with them and Pip and Lottie and whoever else and got drunk and loud. There were some following morning regrets. Lee is back from California and Helen rescued him from the airport. Then traffic made them have to sit in the car and talk through all the dramas that she's been keeping from him, including that her eating disorder has returned. He did very well, I thought, on Thursday. Jimus is doing his bit for the Ambridge Book Club that is hurtling into existence. He recommended Lark Rise to Candleford to David. He also recommended his piano teacher to play at the Harvest Supper. I foresee a battle of the bands as Josh is going to recruit the band they went to see for his birthday because he fancies the violinist. Jimus also rescued a woman who had forgotten her packed lunch, uh, providing her with all the accoutrements and some cutlery. She left a voicemail for her brother, who might have been Ardil. She told Jim to go to the GP to have a mole on his hand checked. Natasha called a committee meeting and persuaded Pat and Helen that they should stab Fallon in the front and turn her into an employee in the new upmarket tea shop that Natasha can spearhead. I think we can all be sure that is not going to go down well. Honourable mention for Usha turning up and for Ian giving Helen a cheese order for Grey Gables. I'm sure the lack of that cheese order was keeping many of us awake at night. And finally, Rob's application for access to Jack was dismissed. So it's all over. Of course it is. Yeah, yeah. Till next week then, my lovelies. Hope it's a good one. Thanks so much, Suey. Huge condolences on the death of your dear dad. We send you and your family our hugs, prayers, thoughts and love. Indeed we do, yeah. So to end Sue's fabulous summary of the week, what happened on Friday? Books were only mentioned twice. Helen saw a doctor, Jim saw a doctor, Pip kissed Ella, Usha told Ruth. And the phrase we call the devastation of Ruth begins. And let's get to the important bit, which is you lot, our lovely caller inners, WhatsApp inners and email inners. Hello, Ambridge3962. And first we have Edna, who wipes the floor with the women of Ambridge. Edna Cloud here, midweek thoughts. Helen, stop lying to the family. Get your head on straight. You're supposed to be a businesswoman with a big cheese empire. Pip, stop dithering and being a wet wipe. Own up to what you are today. Fallon, we're all definitely team Fallon on the Twitter. And now I come to Natasha. 
Oh, the cheek of it, to think she can just waltz in and blonde wood and sprinkle her succulents hither and dither over Fallon's upcycling. By the way, I'm on page 47 of Candleford. Thank you, Edna Cloud. Thank you so much, Edna. That was superb. To the point, included a book reference, funny gold star, excellent. Yes, completely agree with you about Helen and Pip. Pip in a mood because Rosie might have seen something. Crikey, Rosie's seen her parents not together sleep in the same bed. She's had her Uncle Rex want to be secretly with her mum. She's had her dad go away and then stay on a waterboat. I mean, the highlight of the summer for Rosie was going up a tree and ice skating. I think Rosie will be fine. But we, we need to talk about Natasha. We'll talk about her more as we go on. I think I'm the only person that... I'm disagreeing with the world about Natasha. I love her. I love her ideas, her approach. Love, love. Is that it? Is it your love letter to Natasha over? (laughs) There'll be more. There'll be more. Sorry. I'm the only one I know. It's, for me, personally fascinating, and all tweet along as fascinating to hear Edna Cloud because she is actually on Twitter known as Satnav2012. And you know how you sort of have some people on Twitter, it's just like a virtual relationship, you you see their name come up so often, you don't even believe they're a real person. And sat, there used to be a thing called the Bagel, which was, you know, the most prolific tweeters of the day. And Satnav 12, with her running commentary of the Archers episode, would pretty much always be the most prolific tweeter of the day. But sadly, Twitter's algorithms have changed. That means that the Bagel no longer exists at the moment. So anyway, to put a voice to Satnav 2012, for me, is actually the most remarkable thing about this call. So <laughs> now I've got over that shock. But I'm with Edna about Natasha. I don't like it, sprinkling her succulents, as Edna says, all over the place. and <laughs> Money grabbing. Oh, she just changes. Mention money and she becomes a different woman. We will have more on this, I know. I also agree, I mean, Pip and Helen this week. I mean, it's enough to make you just want to just... Jump, jump over a straw bale. Yes, you just want Pat to walk through the village, don't you, with that shotgun at times. So, yes, she's pretty brutal in her criticism, isn't she, Edna? She doesn't take any prisoners... And on the whole, I pretty much agree with you, Edna. Bravo. And now we go on to Bernadette, who thinks Natasha's got no IKEA. Hi, it's Bernadette Hawks here at Archers Fan 2015. I've two episodes to complain about this week. First, the one with Natasha laying down her grand plans for the Bodge Farm tea rooms. She's gone all the apprentice with her ideas for development and expansion. Well, that's my opinion. I bet in true apprentice style, she still wears bodycon dresses with her LK Bennets. Anyway, that aside, her vision for the tea room smacks of a certain Swedish company's design principles, but that's not what people go to the countryside for in terms of eateries. Helen and the rest of the family are just rolling over. Dare I ask if there's a business plan, or this is the back of an envelope stuff? Then, on Thursday, I had to listen to Pip's continuing angsting about her relationship with Stella. Is Pip going to tell or consult everyone in Ambridge before giving Ruth a heads up? By the way, Ruth is annoying me with her self-assigned mission to find out who the woman is. Another indication that most of the parents in Ambridge can't let their children find themselves on their own. So much interfering. Anyway, that's this week's griping over. Just waiting for Friday's episode before I complete the slap list. Bye. Oh, Bernadette, <laughs> slap list. You don't want to be on that. Yeah, I, 
Bernadette, again, she's on the money, isn't she, with, with Natasha? The case against Natasha is growing here, Philippa, so uh, I look forward to your defence. I mean, this notion, and I tweeted about it, that people will come to the countryside for aspirational high-end rustic is a nonsense. People come to the countryside for rustic. They want to get away from the city, from aspirational high-end rustic with their blonde wood trestle tables. I'm sorry, Philippa, but I'm with Bernadette on this. And the fact that she's just steamrolling Helen and Pat, they just roll over every time, don't they? They put up no resistance apart from, oh, I'm not sure if I've got the cheese contract yet. Which she has, of course, and (laughs) has got away with Cheesegate, which is another outrageous thing this week. With the backing of Ian. Ruth has just had wall-to-wall annoyance this week, hasn't she, Ruth? I mean, I cheered the rafters when she finally... And I think it's Stella. <laughs> Stella's her girlfriend. And what did Davey come back with? He comes back with lesbian mental. <laughs> I just wailed. I wailed because I couldn't take any more of it. I thought, oh, God, we've got three more days of this speculation. Thank <laughs> God for Usha. Thank God. Might be a bit of a rant here. Yeah, um, let's go for it. Keep going. Yeah, what else is there? Yeah, And Ruth... Bernadette is right, they Parents in Ambridge don't let their own kids be grown-ups, do they, and grow and, mm. and make their own decisions and become adults in their own right. They are constantly parenting them. And this is because nobody goes beyond the bypass, Philippa. And <laughs> this is a societal problem within the confines of Ambridge. It needs to be addressed, and I need to go and have a lie down. You must. I love Bernadette's statement about Natasha and Bet she still wears body contracts. Yeah. It did make me chuckle. Okay. The tea room sounds like you can hardly get the door open for the amount of upcycled tap that's there. <laughs> there are tables that are made out of sticks and pieces of wood and car tyres that nobody has bought in the whole time it's been there. I think you make that. How dare you? And Okay, again, I'm sorry, everyone's going to hate me for my Natasha comments. I know I'm on my own, but she's got a spreadsheet. Never before has anybody in that family mentioned a spreadsheet. Natasha can do it. I bet Tom and Helen have had to Google what a spreadsheet is. What business has Natasha done that's actually failed? She's got the fruit juice business going and it's continuing. She got the Bridge Fresh delivery app going. Tom sausages fail. Helen's cheese making courses fail. Yes, Natasha isn't skilled in diplomacy. I will give you that. And I do want to hear her tell Fallon. I'm sorry, it's a bit twisted of me. But Fallon could make more money as an employee rather than running the tea room. So it could be a win for everybody. But I gave you your time. You want Natasha Natasha to nick Fallon's whole business idea. Well, Fallon hasn't had any idea. She's just stopped doing anything. She's not looking at ways to make money. And Natasha is absolutely right. When Grey Gables reopens, there's going to be a lot of people wanting to go out for a country walk and have a nice cake. How it is possible that a cafe is on a farm site and doesn't stop the food from the farm is beyond belief. True. And the only person on my slap list this week is Ruth. Ruth has first place, second place and third place. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I went to a very nice new farm shop near us yesterday and it sort of looked a bit like what uh, Natasha's suggesting. You see! Yeah, you but see. I, we're talking Ambridge here and this they are not in the modern era and they're not ready for... <laughs> they're not ready for, for a, such a... They're not ready for, for a, a Scandi, spreadsheet. <laughs> they're not ready for a spreadsheet or a Scandi tea room, I'm afraid, no. You know, you, you, this is praising of Natasha. You failed to mention the fact she has... and it, just seems to be brushed under the uh, fairy sprinkler, fairy dust on it once again. But, yeah, she has actually accumulated a huge credit card debt, which we haven't heard <laughs> anything about, have we? 
So many people have credit card debt. I mean, she's not on. Hers is she's huge. Not, she's have, not good with money. She's profligate. Because if she's a penny in debt, Tom's like, oh, that's a huge credit card that we've she never was, had to put in for anything was on the credit card. that credit card all over, bullshit. Yeah, but look, she's changed. She's mellowed. She's not changed. And she calls people love. No. It's lovely. It's Team fake Natasha, because as go. soon as she sees pound signs in her eyes, she becomes a different woman. But she becomes nasty Natasha all over again. She's looking at ways to make money for the family that she's are sensible. stealing Fallon's idea. Fallon's had no ideas. Fallon, no idea person, needs to just... She'll be better off The tea room is her idea. It's doing all right. Yes, but she's not doing it. She's just letting it run into the ground. Mm. Nobody could... She's not even, you know, got the coffee syrups by the coffee. Come on, we need a fresh approach. Anyway. You're you're blinded by a spreadsheet. That's all it is. (laughs) It is, yes. Thanks so much, Bernadette. That was great. And now we go to Ditsy with reflections on a consummate professional. Hi, you two. Ditsy of Darrington here. Just wanted to leave a quick message in response to something Stephen said last week with regards to the age of the wedding at a register office and whether or not they had to be 18. And he made some comment about the fact that they had to be old enough in case they were required to, to, to be witnesses to say that the wedding had take, had been consummated, is what he said. I don't think that the witnesses ever have to witness the marriage being consummated, but I think I know what you mean. But in actual fact, I think it's more to do with whether they're old enough to, you know, to be a legal witness. But yeah, that was all I wanted to say, really. Great podcast. I really enjoy it. Thank you so much, Dizzy. That was great. Do call in again. Yes, you're right. I think we've had enough consummation of relationships that we have heard in previous weeks on The Archers. So there is no need for any more. I really think that's a note. The other thing that was a no this week was Helen had no idea about the steep streets in the super steep streets in San Francisco. Just the way she had no clue what Lee was talking about. And I did not know for that whole episode that they were stuck in the car leaving the airport. You could hear wheels moving, That you could hear motion. Yeah, but I just thought they were on a car journey. I didn't realise, literally just collected him. There was no, mm. oh, how was your flight? Or it's good to, do you know what I mean? I was just like, oh, they're in a well, car. My first thought back was, already. which Ambridge character has been killed off in this road accident? That's, I thought, <laughs> oh, blimey, they knocked mm. off. They always use a road accident, don't they? Thank you for the clarification, Ditsy. I mean, that was a... Malapropism worthy of you, Philip. I thought the, the <clears throat> consummation. I thought that was that could have come straight from the lips of Philip rather than Stephen, mm. who is Mister Precision. So he will probably get his uh, spreadsheet out of incorrections <laughs> and just put one in the margin there because there's never normally an incorrect <laughs> entry. <laughs> yes, the thought of witnessing Jasmine and Tracy consummating their marriage is no, something to right. behold. Yeah, she's wafting yeah. her hands, listeners, yeah. in front of her face. She blushes easily. So yeah. thank you, Ditsy. Yep. Actually, going back to them, that was a weird episode, wasn't it? That that journey with Lee and Helen in the car. I mean, to get into that straight off the plane, it was a bit heavy, wasn't it? And uh, I mean, what an awful... Oh, having... I mean, I thought Helen was so distracted she was going to cause a crash anyway, wasn't she? Because mm. she shouldn't have been driving telling him all that. For a start, and then it gets all the way back eventually to Bridge Farm. There's no beef bouillon for him to enjoy anyway, because you know <laughs> Helen's giving it all away. So it's not a great welcome back, was it, for Paulie? And I'm not a fan of Lee, as you know, but I did feel a bit sorry for him this week. 
yeah, I think we should just not Lee, poorly. I think that's a better a better poor, title poorly, for him. Poorly. Yes. He's poorly. He will be poorly <laughs> after living with Helen. <laughs> Thanks, Dizzy. That was a great call. And now we go to Vicky, who wanders about the wanderings of Adil. Hello, Dumpty Dum. My name is Vicky C. I'm a long time lurker and very rare occasional commentator on the Facebook. I'm ringing in because I think I need to correct a few things in regards to the construction process. I work for one of the main biggest contractors in the UK and I've worked on numerous projects, predominantly mostly refurbishments. So I just wanted to say that 18 months to two years is not unusual. It's possibly quite common when you're coming into a refurbishment of a building, particularly older ones that bring out surprises and unexpected problems once you start opening them up for refurbishment. So the timeline for Grey Gables is probably correct in the grand scheme of things. The thing that really irritates me is the position of Adil. He is not somebody that you would have within the construction framework and management. He is the client's rep. He would only be allowed on site maybe once a month or if he had asked permission to view the site. He is the intermediary between the contractor and the owners. He makes no decisions. Those decisions come from the owners. So that is possibly Oliver and those other investors. By the way, I estimate it's probably about eight million pounds, probably just a pure guess. But we're talking millions here to refer Grey Gables. Anyway, Adil has no position under the contract other than visiting site. He would not have any, what is the word, freedom to walk around freely on a building site. Once a property goes into refurbishment, it becomes the ownership of the contractor. They are in sole control of it and no one's allowed on it without them giving permission to do so. In regards to toilets not being ready towards the end, it's quite common. Toilet pans and sinks, very quick to put in. Sometimes a problem can happen and you need to get back onto it. You need to come out to fix the issue. Anyway, I'll leave it for now. Thank you so much for the show. I hope this makes sense and I might get the courage to call in again soon. All right, take care. Bye. Vicky, it makes complete sense. I love these expert calls that come in. And boy, have we been wrong up to now, haven't we, Philippa? Because we've been saying <laughs> 18 months for a refurb. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Vicky C., our long-time lurker, as she calls herself, says, no, that's quite common. It's, it's perfectly within the time frame, up to two years. We've got two years of this, Philippa. <laughs> Possibly. I believe it. So thank you for that. And what was Arnold doing? wandering around the site. You know, you shouldn't be there, apparently, Philippa. We also know how much it's likely to cost. Eight million quid, I didn't know that. Yeah. And you can knock up a bathroom just like that. I'm not so sure about that, Vicky, if I may, because we just had to put the bathrooms put in. <laughs> and they took a while to put in. So you can't, you can't I, I'm, I'm challenging say you know. a construction you expert here. <laughs> That's foolish, I would say. And, uh, well, I've agreed with everything else. And this will... <laughs> prompt her to call in again which is good because she'll say you don't know what you're talking about man and <laughs> she says old renovations throw up surprises well, it's a bit like the arches isn't it it's constantly throwing up surprises and <laughs> it is old it celebrated its 20,000th episode this week didn't it we ought to mm. mention i think it was on thursday mm. So thanks, Vicky. Yeah, call in again, please. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant call. Vicky needs to be an advisor for the Archers yeah. team, I think. They could learn a lot. But yes, yeah, do call in again. We need this information. I've learned so much. The other sort of mystery that needed solving this week was who was the mystery woman? Now we know who it is. It's the doctor. Dr. Malik. And yes. 
Asra <clears throat> Malik, played by Yasmin Wilde, a long-term actor, been in. This is going to her afterlife, all sorts of things. She's Three got to be Ardell's sister, right? She's got to be Ardell's sister. Oh, I'm, I mean, I wanted her to be Lee's sister because I thought that would bring a really interesting development oh, into I, I, it. I don't want any more Lee. You know. <laughs> but actually, I think I'd learn to know more about his background and But story. her second yes. name is not the same as his. I was looking at that, but uh, she's been married. Maybe she's married. Yeah. married yeah. 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 We'll find out. But the other mystery this week is what are the nice biscuits that Pat has that Helen needed to borrow? This is the most important question. No, it's not. It's not. It Jim's really mole. is. Jim's mole is the most important question. No, well, I was but worried you talk, about you, the mole. You taught biscuits. If you want to talk biscuits... <laughs> I was worried about the mole because I thought, oh, no, Jim's about to die. But yes. then I think, no, it's just the biscuits. A, it was just a device for him to see the lady and for us to right. put two and two together. But biscuits, I'm thinking that they are, if they're very nice ones, they're lemon biscuits dipped in white chocolate. We're talking pat here. Yes, but they'll be organic. Should have bought them it's rich from... Tea. It's rich tea if you're lucky. <laughs> For nice biscuits. Oh, no, I'm not going round there. No, she'll have a pack. I, right. I'm counting on that. Anyway, thank you so much, Vicky. That was just brilliant. And now we go to Witherspoon on what he doesn't like to get his teeth into professionally. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Greetings, Philip Acadie and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. It's with a spoon and Angus Haggis here to modify Ian's question when he visited Helen this week to its more traditional form. Do you want the good news or the bad news first? I'll skip his reassurances about Cheesegate, which seem to evoke a lot of emotions from the Dumpty Dum community. No, never forget Cheesegate. Anyway, I'll start with the bad news, at least as I record at midweek. I and others spoke too soon last week when we thought that Pat and the Ambridge Health Fairy had swooped in and convinced Helen to seek treatment. More realistically, an eating disorder is a very hard nut to crack, and Helen's resistance to treatment went right back up. Frankly, along with hoarding, it's my least favorite problem to treat because it's so challenging. Anyway, I think the continuity announcer on Wednesday hinted at better times ahead for Helen. Maybe the decision regarding visiting rights to Jack will go in Helen's favor. If so, would that be enough to relieve her anxiety and begin to resolve her symptoms? As I always say, we'll see. Now for the good news. I'm enjoying the new pairing of Paul and Josh. When we first encountered them in David and Ruth's kitchen, I had forgotten that they had become roommates. Was anyone else reminded of Felix Unger and Oscar Madison? Definitely an odd couple. I hope this is just the start of many sitcom scenes between them. Their bickering definitely reminded me of an old married couple. Just one note to Josh. You need to be more gracious to and appreciative of your parents. And you do sometimes come across as a selfish... (laughs) Talk to you soon. I forgot I put that in. That just gave me a shock. Earth was that. (laughs) Well, he said a word that Apple Podcast List is explicit, even though I didn't think it was. I was looking for a farm noise, but I forgot about that. Sorry, Witherspoon. That was a shock. Shock for us all. Thank you, Witherspoon. Great call. Every time someone said to Helen that she looked thinner, she sounded very pleased, which is worrying. And it just shows it's not a quick fix and such a a difficult area, as Witherspoon says. Yes, I like Paul and Josh. I really do. I know. Josh, don't you? I know. You see, 
everyone's going to disagree with me yet again. I'm being miscontroversial this episode, but I really like Josh. Let's not forget, Josh has had to put up with David, Ruth, mm-hmm. Pip, and Ben for 26 mm. years. He's an individual. He doesn't just take it. He He's sparky. He's funny. He's the only child paying rent. He's the only person paying rent. Pip doesn't pay rent. Ben doesn't. Josh pays Shula. He's the most separate, independent child in that family. And what is this about? Oh, we haven't got time to run the B&B, but we're going to do more events. How does that even work? If you haven't got time to do something you've already set up... Why are you doing more events that take more time? Anything more about Josh at all? Not for now. I'll save Not a bit for, for later. Okay. All right. Josh, I take your point about Josh. I, actually, I don't really have strong feelings about Josh. I don't really. I think oh, he's, he's all right, Josh, to be fair. But I just like to wind you up about it. <laughs> and when he goes through the, the, the litany of what he has to put up with at Bridge Farm, yes, he's done pretty well. <laughs> he's 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 remarkably well adjusted and it's nice to hear another voice because I was getting really sick of the small coterie of voices we've been hearing for the past two weeks. So I, I will let Josh off this week. With this being interesting, he said in his experience, eating disorders and hoarding are the most challenging to treat. And he said in a previous call the other week that he doesn't want a long, drawn-out saga about her eating disorder. I think we're all with you on that one, Witherspoon. And thank goodness for Dr. Malik, because I think she's going to sort it all out, don't you think? So Dr. Malik is going to smooth the way for us on that score, I believe, Witherspoon. He called midweek, so he hadn't heard that Dominic had rung Helen to say that Rob had lost his claim for access rights. So we then had the cliffhanger, it's over from Helen. (laughs) And we all know what that means, don't we? Yeah, it's not over at all. Not one little bit. <laughs> Going back to Josh, he said he needs to be kinder to his parents. Over to you, Philip. No one needs to be kind to Ruth. Uh, I like Josh. The medical service in Ambridge once more has jumped up and yeah. been 100%. I yes, I mean... Get a GP's appointment just like that. Yeah, Nobody... and blood test straight away, call yeah. from the support team yeah. straight away, leaflets. Yes. No 8am lottery. No. Praying to get through. Well, isn't that ridiculous? Awful system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, Ambridge uh, Health Service is fantastic. Yeah, excellent. Just like Witherspoon's call. So those are the first few calls. There are more absolutely brilliant ones coming up shortly. So hold on for those. Now, if you would like to contribute to this madness, you would be so very welcome. There are three ways you can get involved. The first option is to record a message or a plot prediction by going to www.speakpipe.com forward slash dum dum Don't forget the T in the middle, dum dum The next option is to send us a WhatsApp voice note or message on 07810 012 Please keep your call to a maximum of two minutes. Or finally, of course, you can email us a maximum of 250 words. Please, the email address is dumptydum at mail.com. Do bear in mind, you need to be at least 18 to take part and contribute. Don't worry about trying to write all those down now, as we've provided links to those three ways of contributing, and you'll find them in the show notes for this episode. They are there now waiting for you. Now let's go to Stephen for his two-minute history This week on the wonderful subject of, get ready for this one, it's my sort of subject, book clubs in Ambridge. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is the BBC Live Programme. Here is the news. Here is a two-minute history of the first Ambridge Book Club. Usher decided to launch the book club at the beginning of 2011. Ruth was reluctant to join, having been put off reading by War and Peace. Usher promised something easier and shorter. She tried to recruit Emma, who said that she read anything and was always swapping books with Susan. Sitting around talking about them sounded too much like being back at school. In the end, the first session at the vicarage was a discussion of The Suspicions of Mr. Witcher by Kate Summerscale. In addition to the expected book club members, Jim, Caroline, Ruth, Linda and Richard Thwaite, Joe Grundy turned up, mostly because he'd heard that there'd be canapes, albeit leftovers from a Grey Gables event, and he brought with him Nathan Booth, who was under the mistaken belief that Sabrina Thwaite would be there. Jim volunteered to host the second meeting and announced that they would be reading a couple of books of Ovid's Metamorphoses. In the end, however, discussion was of Robert Harris's 2007 novel, The Ghost, about a ghostwriter. Joe confidently announced that he had read the book, but as the discussion became more and more confused, he had to admit that he'd only seen the film, the one starring Patrick Swayze from Dirty Dancing. Linda was disappointed that Ruth hadn't read the book either. She hoped for better when it came to her book, Cranford, by Mrs. Gaskell. At the meeting at Ambridge Hall, Jennifer said how much she enjoyed the fragments and small opportunities, the finding significance in small things, and the portrayal of the ebb and flow of daily life in Cranford. Susan agreed with every word she'd said, but added that to her great disappointment, the scene where Miss Matty opens a tea shop and then advises all her customers not to buy green tea demonstrated that Miss Gaskell had no understanding of retail. Jennifer hosted the next session, having chosen Mistress of the Paddocks by local author Corinthia Hart. Susan and Pat were shocked to discover that this was a racy bonkbuster in which the caddish hero Byron has an affair with the very horsey Miranda Bursall, including going to the races with her when his wife, Ginny, is giving birth to what was supposed to be their makeup baby. Luckily for Jennifer, Linda, Richard Thwaite and Joe didn't even turn up, and only Jim and Usher were oblivious to what the book was really about. Susan was due to host the next meeting. 
We weren't told the name of the book, she suggested, but the meeting went very badly after Susan discovered that her brother Clive was back in the village. Oh, Stephen, that that was absolutely perfect. What a fitting send-off for me. Thank you. Thank you so much. Why, why wasn't Let, there a special effects there for you in there, Philip? I think you should have put in a special sound effects. Of what books? Well, we had a horse earlier, so, yeah. <laughs> Stephen didn't do any words that contravened podcasts. I don't know. I'm overthinking Maybe Maybe it, a, but... uh, a book being pulled from beneath the table, that sort of sound effect. <gasps> and stuck with some sauce. No, let's not eat. Just Whoa, hear your... <gasps> that's all we need. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's giving me the heebie-jeebies. Anyway, let's get back to your calls. And next is Paul, who considers why it was Struth for Ruth. Hello, it's Paul and Oni here. Well, that's the uh, stellar pissed, slip, whatever we want to call it. I think probably pissed the way that Pip was in the pub the other day. Cat well and truly out of the bag, isn't it? And Ruth's reaction, not the one of shock and horror that Pip was worrying about, but one of, why didn't she tell me? <laughs> Just, oh dear. I, this entire thing has been... Paths, frankly, and Path is very hard to make work in audio only on, on the radio. And it's never been something that the archers do particularly well. I, I wish they just not really just don't even try with it. Anyway, hope everyone's having a good week. I'll let other people talk about it. Rob and Helen and what's a pretty obvious plot prediction there. Take care, everybody. Great to hear from you again, Paul. And yes, that pretty much sums up uh, Ruth this week, doesn't it? Uh, Why didn't she tell me? Even though she worked it out herself, but we've discussed that already, so I will not tear any more of my hair out over that. (laughs) He's got a a beef about farce in the the Archers, and I think he's onto something here, because I was trying to think of the recent farces we've had, and we literally had a bedroom farce, didn't we, when we had Jazza and Tracy running around Grey Gables trying to have trying to consummate mm. their relationship far too early for you. Philippa, she's pulling a face. Mm. And that was ridiculous, wasn't it? And completely unbelievable. Fast on the radio, I suppose he's right. You forget that fast does require the sort of visual gags as well. So they're brave to do it. They keep doing it, don't they? I mean, we have the farce of the Christmas show every year anyway. <laughs> 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 and so, and when they got locked in the toilet before their wedding. Oh yes, yeah, another that was another Tracy and Jazza, yeah, wasn't it? There's two. They do tend to do. The and then we had all them. that that farcical thing with Lillian and and Justin going off to look at walruses, and oh, <laughs> that was the most bizarre episode ever. I think. <laughs> wasn't that weird? So yes, Paul. But uh, I think, of course, we have got the Grundys. I mean, Eddie's just one running farce, isn't he? So I think we're stuck with it, Paul. Just grit your teeth. It's part of the angst, the agony we all have to go through as <laughs> the Archers listeners, just for that 2% of joy. I mean, Ruth, we have to talk about Ruth. I, why don't they tell me, she asked, because of how you're going to take it. You're going to take it badly. It's going to, This is going to go on and on. Do, why doesn't she just think about it? I mean, I question my parenting style on a daily, if not more frequently, basis, but just doesn't occur to her she's it's all about her why hasn't pip confided in her why this why that and the scene with lottie oh well we'll come on to that as well but that drove me which one which one take your pick (laughs) which one are you talking about well we will come on to that i should save it for yes but 
some of the scenes this week. When Ruth and David were counting sheep, it was like they were counting pencils. Oh, is that a two or a three? I thought they were going to say, is that a two B or an HB or a three HB or... I didn't get that. Counting sheep, but numbers, but pencils. I was confused. I can't even remember that scene. Were they counting sheep? Yeah, well, they were measuring the sheep going, oh, is that a two and a half? Is that a three, four? I I think I I listened attentively. I'm obviously, I nodded off counting sheep. It was in the lesbian mentor scene, which we will come on to, don't worry. Oh, I was still in shock. I was still in shock from that. So clearly, I was still trying to process that. I didn't listen to anything else after that. I'm sure that is the right farming term. I'm not doubting that, but it, to me, I just what lesbian mentor? No, <laughs> the numbers for the sheep. I just like oh, these pencils. Two, two B, two H B. Blah blah yeah, blah. Pencils. Anyway, yeah. There we are from Paul and Ruth and pencils, which was a great call, Paul. Thank you so much to Richard, who identifies some shop practices at Bridge Farm. Richard calling in from Lisbon. A lot of nonsense about the market for cafe stroke restaurant stroke tea rooms. We've already got lower loxty. They serve food and drinks. We've got, obviously, the bull. We've got a charging station place in the pipeline. Grey Gables coming into the market. The existing operation run by Fallon, the wicked bridge farm lot. Again, a kick her right, spearheaded by Natasha, who mysteriously thinks she can come up with a business plan with a salary for two members of staff. And very often, businesses like that would lose money if they paid a market rate to the person in charge. Often, they can't take people on because minimum wage and put them out of business. And so, despite whether or not it's ethical that it isn't with Fallon coming to them with all these ideas, then they're effectively stifling the idea. I'm booting her own, which is obviously what's going to happen. Um, maybe legal, not ethical, certainly. There's someone you know and who's worked with you for a while. More than sharp practice is downright appalling. Um, don't know what Harrison and me will be communicating with each other about that one down the line. Anyway, I like underdogs. I hope that somehow the Natasha project falls flat on its face in the tea room. The, the charging station venue run by Fallon is a huge success, but we'll see. Apart from that, I'd like to know more about Brad and Mia's career choices. Will they, won't they be more than, I don't know, I just feel they're the wisest people in the village and the future of Ambridge depends. Thank you so much, Richard. Yes, oh, I am... I'm not changing my mind. Let's not go that far. But you've made a strong case, actually, Richard. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Serving food. We've got Lower Loxy. We've got Bull, the potential charging station, Grey Gables. Yeah, I can see that is a lot. And will they make a success of it? I firmly think Natasha will make a success of it and be able to pay the money. And it's all going to go splendidly because they will create more money from selling the products that the farm produces. However, I do hear what Richard says um i mm, no it will be fine i i have faith in natasha that she can do it but you are diluting that faith a little bit richard i hear what you're saying yeah the nonsense about the tea rooms the other question i know you're going to particularly love this one q but usha and all the cakes that she doesn't care if it's a lemon drizzle a victoria sponge or a new york cheesecake 
Usha, you need to care. These are very three very different options. And if you're not having lemon drizzle at the top, I don't know. And biscuits and cakes at the top of your priorities this week, Philippa. I mean, it says it all, doesn't it, really? It really does. <laughs> Lesbian mentor has to be the top. Yeah. And Jim describing all the ingredients he had for a sandwich. It made me want to go and make a sandwich. I'm obviously hungry all the time. Well, yeah, we, neither of us have had breakfast. We're recording this obscenely early on the Saturday yeah. morning. So if you hear gurgling, it's our stomachs going. Just watch and hear the sound of a woman changing her mind is fantastic. So thank you, Richard. That <laughs> uh, is quite an achievement. And um, yes, I mean, you've completely corroborated what I was saying earlier on, Richard. I'm delighted. Uh, as you said, downright appalling the way that Natasha is going about things. Legal, but not ethical. And this is a theme I've noticed with Richard's calls. He, he, he was fed up with Ardell last week, wasn't he? Because he, he doesn't like the way he's treating people who are applying for jobs. He says he's turning unkind. So Richard's onto something here. And I love the way that uh, you had to concede there are too many eateries at Ambridge, Philippa, as Richard has Con- pointed out. Concede yeah. is a strong word, but... I uh, know, I think conceded is the apt word in this context <laughs> and it's his payoff about brad and mia the wisest people in the village and the future of ambridge i would also tag on henry there as well richard because i think those three as i've said before are the most grown-up grown-ups in ambridge excellent call richard he's in lisbon now he's in ireland last week so uh, look forward to your next one absolutely thank you so much richard and now we go to Catherine on why ruth is giving her the pip hi everyone it's Catherine phoning in from paris I listened to the episode with Lottie and Pip last night. I can't get over where Ruth gets off bossing her daughter about. If my mum told me that day who to bring home from school, well, you know, kids' school, I think she'd gone mad. It's very strange indeed. But their relationship hadn't hitherto really seemed that entwined. Just talk about the cows and stuff. But now they've all got the same friends. They're all going out all the time. And it just didn't seem right. Apart from that, it was one of the most boring weeks ever. The middle bit with Josh and Paul and oh, just tedious. I am looking forward to, though, the business with the tea rooms. It's going to be awful and dramatic and fabulous. And also a bit disappointed no more about Ardil and whatever is going on with him choosing types of cheese rather than checking bathrooms have been done in the hotel. Have a great week, everyone. Bye-bye. Paris, get her, eh? Mm, that's the international feel to this um, thanks for calling in Catherine she's on a, on a university reunion in Paris so it's amazing that she found the time given the cafes and bars that they are visiting <laughs> to, to call in uh, I mean I, I, I tell women they're beautiful all the time it's the first thing I say whenever we come online don't I Philippa <laughs> never you scoundrel <laughs> yes uh, effectively uh, Catherine is this bemused like the rest of us and that's a relationship between Ruth and Pip. It's the infantilising of, of them, isn't it? And it's a thing that uh, is nodding towards what Bernadette said in her call earlier on, that parents at Ambridge won't just leave off and back off and let their children become adults in their own right. And, I mean, it's the sort of thing you say to your child, why don't you bring so-and-so back for tea, isn't it? Exactly. Why would that happen? I agree. Yeah. It's just... So, oh. So Catherine talks about uh, it being a very boring week. I disagree, actually. I mean, it was an infuriating week, Catherine, absolutely. But I think there was loads in it, wasn't there? I mean, we haven't stopped talking this morning. I think she was nodding particularly to that sort of irritating episode with Josh and Paul going out, out to the bull, which I agree with. I mean, that was all very silly. But the rest of it, we've had, I mean, you know, come on. 
lesbian mentor. I mean, that's got to be the phrase of the century. Exactly. The the phrase of its 70-year-plus history, the lesbian mentor. So I would say it's been, as I said, an infuriating but a memorable weekend. Bear in mind, of course, it was its 20,000th edition. So memorable for all sorts of reasons. And another reason it's memorable is who called it last week that Ruth would think it's Lottie? As much as it pains me, yes, somebody last week did call this correctly. She's normally way off the money in most things, obsessed with food (laughs) and all things to do with Josh. But on this occasion, I have to concede that Miss Spreadsheet got it right. Yes, the one time I got it right. But, (laughs) oh, that scene was so overplayed when Pip was talking to Lottie with Ruth there and saying all these lovely things Mm. about Lottie. But then... I suppose so much has to be overplayed for Ruth to actually cotton on. Anybody else would hear (laughs) just Pip say one thing about, oh, wear that dress, you look lovely in it, and you'd be on it. But no, about 20 different statements have to be made for Ruth to sit there and go, ooh. But she did get it. She did get it eventually. And then how many red flags need to go up? (laughs) I'm exhausted. Exhausted. Yeah, I agree. Ruth is weird. Does Ruth actually have friends proper friends enough to have a best friend i mean and who uses the phrase best friend at school Mm. you probably have one best friend but as you get older you have a number of really good friends isn't it usha used to be her best friend right yes and now she doesn't talk to her and and now she best is with pat who she didn't ever really talk to yeah pat is getting all nostalgic about jenny who she never really got on with and jenny grew tomatoes did we know that I don't care, but they've they've sort of forgotten the backstory here, haven't they? And it's this device that they've used a few times lately of something being left somewhere that belongs to a child in order to facilitate a discussion. We had Natasha going to find one of the twins' toys with Helen the other week and the whole boof boog in your saga. <laughs> we had Rose's coat left at Ruth's this time. I, yeah, yeah. Too, too much. Just stop yeah, going to collect kids' stuff. And, of course, we have Amy's bra as well, but anyway. I can't even comment on that. Anyway, you see, that thank was, you so much, Kat. That was a video moment, folks, the look the look I got. Mm, which no one will mm. ever see, shame, but there we are. Shame, shame. Anyway, thank you so much, Catherine. And now we go to our last call, which is from Jen, our Ambridge Pony Club, who wants the T-shirt. Greetings, everyone, and dum dum land. Jen here, calling in with a bit of a cold, I'm afraid, but I just... There was a new phrase, a new phrase in Archer's fan history this week. And I had to call in to celebrate it because I do think it's absolutely bizarre and also absolutely brilliant. And that is the whole concept of a a lesbian mentor. David announced that, yeah, now don't worry, Ruth, she's not nicking your best friend. It's just that Stella's a nice person and she's probably Pip's lesbian mentor, as I suppose all good young new lesbians recruit. So now... When we're faced with a quandary in life, instead of wondering what Jesus might do, as some some evangelicals do, we can think, hmm, maybe I should consult my lesbian mentor on that one, or, huh, would my lesbian mentor do in this situation? So yes, come on, dum-de-dum, I think we all want a t-shirt with, I'm a lesbian mentor, or what would my lesbian mentor do printed on it? The context of it is obviously that they are so incredibly dim that they cannot see that their daughter has told them she has a girlfriend, she's spending an inordinate amount of time with Stella, she's getting all tarted up to go to the pub with Stella, and then going on a picnic with Stella and her daughter. But gosh, you know, that can't be the girlfriend. 
In David's case, it seems to be a problem with the age gap, which is a bit weird. 10 years isn't really that much. But with Ruth, I do understand it because, you know, once you're a certain age and you've been moved away from your family where you grew up, it is hard to find a best friend. And while it's a bit hard on Usha, she definitely seems to like Stella better. And having your daughter nick your best friend, no, not on, not good. It's going to cause trouble. (laughs) Thank you so much. And I do hope you feel better soon. Yeah lesbian mentor the phrase of the century the minute that was uttered the number of requests to join the dum de dum facebook group there were lots of people this week wanting to join to discuss it i want a lesbian mentor i think we all need lesbian mentors mentors and i think there needs to be a hotline set up 0800 lesbian mentor i think every company needs to appoint a lesbian mentor i want t-shirts mugs i want all the merch i just sat there laughing to my it's just a classic phrase i wish they had videoed them recording that episode because i would have loved to have seen it well how did uh, david keep a straight face how did he how did he (laughs) great call jen thank you we were getting a bit worried that nobody was going to call in about this i think everybody was still in shock really so good old jen despite her cold she picked up the phone and um put the record straight and i love the way she sums it up as saying it was bizarre but brilliant I think those T-shirts, I think they sell those T-shirts in uh, the Natasha Scandy new look tea room. Uh, that would be a big hit. You say you buy a mug with that as well. And yes, Jen has always been perturbed by the dumbness of the Bridge Farm lot and she will remain, as will the rest of us. Actually, having just Googled Lesbian Mentor, which I should have done perhaps before going on about how it made me laugh, it is actually a, a thing that... No. Yeah, the, there's LGBTQ plus IA mentoring scheme. There are people asking for help, asking for lesbian mentors. So, yes, I jest, but also it's obviously a, a serious thing. But, yeah, there we go. Didn't, I learn. never knew that. But no. this, this is fictional, The Archers, so we can have a giggle, yeah. Oh, we absolutely can. And that was a superb call, Jen. I was laughing throughout that. Thank you so much. So those are the calls. Thank you so much for calling in. We love them. Do call again next week. So on to the emails. And we have an email from David from Carmarthenshire. Just to say, I am Team Natasha all the way, Carriads. Natasha has come in to shake up the complacency of Bridge Farm. She is not confined by any of the strictures of Ambridge society. Fallon was asleep at the wheel when she was the last person in the village to hear about the charging station and likelihood of increased competition. The upcycled furniture sounds positively hideous and is not the most efficient use of floor space. Her mismatched charity shop, china cups and awful 1940s music sound frightful. I can just imagine how musty and damp the tea room must smell. Yuck. Natasha is right. The faux rustic look is so last week and has been overdone. Give me a bit of Scandi sleek any day. Fallon is quite entitled, smug and self-satisfied. She also seems to think that the world owes her a living. Newsflash. It doesn't. I also think that she doesn't treat Emma fairly. As far as we know, Emma cannot be on much more than the minimum wage, yet she effectively works as a partner in the business and does a lot of the donkey work and on social hours. It is incumbent on Bridge Farm to optimise the return from their assets. Go, Natasha. David. You could have inserted the name 
Natasha is quite entitled smug and self-satisfied instead of Fallon there, I think, David. But you weren't reading the bits in Welsh that David included no, in I didn't, his because I don't, I don't want to, to, to bastardise the magnificent language of the Welsh people. So I, <laughs> I skip that, David, I'm afraid. But I fundamentally, as you know, disagree with you on this one, David, but uh, we'll never agree. I mean, to be honest, as I said to conceded to Philippa, I can see why it would look more modern to go for the sleek Scandi look. But I think people are looking for rustic when they go to rural areas. So I just think Fallon's being badly treated. She's being she is being screwed by the bridge farm lot. And I don't think she treats Emma badly. I don't I mean Emma's a bloody handful anyway, isn't she? Let's be honest. So I mean there's not much sympathy Emma for Emma. So I yeah, fun to read that, David. Beautiful, fantastically written. And I just, I can't agree with it because of what I said before, but there's an element of truth in there, but I won't tell you. Honestly, David, brilliant. David and I are united in this. David, if you could have seen how many times I was celebrating and waving my hands in the air with joy as Q was reading that, it's just brilliant. Yes, the tea room must smell damp. Yes, mismatched charity shop china cup. Yes, honestly, David, you and me, solidarity. It's a brilliant email. Apparently you had some problems with SpeakerPipe this week. I'm sorry about that. I did check the link and it was working, so I'm really sorry and hope that won't put you off contributing next well, week. Well, you live quite close to the Welsh border anyway, don't you, Philippa? I do. So you're bound to agree with David. Team Natasha, Team Nasty David. Nasty Natasha. Team Philippa. No. And now we must jump away from that awful comment of Q and go to Lillian, who writes, Hi, Philippa, Katie and all Dumpty Dumber listeners. I haven't called in for a while, but just wanted to share my thoughts. I was really annoyed at Josh's utter selfishness on Sunday. He's obviously reverted back to entitled spoiled brat. The situation with Pip and Stella has also proved a source of constant irritation. Thank goodness for Usha. Also, never mind where's Wally. The question is, where's Adil? And what is the significance of the accident on Monday, other than to trap Helen and Lee in a situation that made them have no choice but to talk honestly to each other? On the subject of Lee, it's a bit of a strange week this week, having to switch between the two characters, i.e. Darren and Corrie and Lee in The Archers. Well, those are a few of my thoughts. Take care. Best wishes, Lillian. Thank you so much, Lillian, for that email. I haven't seen him on Corrie. I need to, I must go and have a look at that and hear his voice there and, and see how it compares. Oh, Lillian, you and I disagree about Josh, but everybody else on the planet agrees with you. It's just me. And Lillian's always right. So I should listen to Lillian with that. But just a brilliant email. Thank you so much. The thought of Lee being on Coronation Street does not make me want to go and watch Coronation Street. I, I, <laughs> Lee's enough on the arches. I can't take any more. Thank goodness for Isha. But, uh, if we'd had another week of that, who is it? Who is it? Uh, we would have needed to go and see Witherspoon. So there you go. I quite, yes, pretty much agree with what you say, Lillian. Yes, spot on, really. Ardil, well, he's obviously having words with the site manager because, as Vicky C pointed out, she, he shouldn't be anywhere near the site. So that's where he is at the moment, Lillian. But thanks ever so much for an excellent email. Thanks. And now on to a message from Melly. Hello to all Dumpty Dummers here, there and everywhere. Melly McMerryweather messaging from under a blanket as autumn has well and truly arrived. I have had another revisit to Dumpty Dum from 2020 around the around about the initial lockdown when Dumpty Dum was coming into its own. Indeed, a two and a half hour episode of Royfield being right about Philip. What is fascinating is the chat about Ben, Pip and Josh and the plight of Hannah searching for a home and speculation on her sexuality. 
It has made me realise that by looking back, we just see how well plotted the characters, trajectories and personalities are. When listening to something six days a week for so many years, it's easy to forget all the storylines used to build our views. What struck me most was at three weeks into lockdown, there was chat of it lasting a few weeks more. Little did we know. It was so lovely to hear familiar voices and missed voices too. I can't help but feel a little nostalgic. But for now, I'm off to watch rugby. Best wishes to all. Great to hear from you, Melly, and no doubt you will be waving the flag for Scotland in the World Cup. That's the <laughs> yes. rugby, Philippa. That's a sport, in case you're wondering. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Who, who knew? Yes, thanks, Melly. Now let's move on to Facebook. And we need to say an do to you too. Laura and Sue. Camilla and Andy. Kate and Ruth. Stephen and Valerie. Leslie and Jane. Pippa and David. Maggie, Chris and Charlie. So what has our Facebook group been talking about this week? Here's our Rob with a roundup. Hello there, everyone. It's the other much nicer Rob with the social media roundup. Unsurprisingly, food played a variety of roles in our chatterings this week. Glenfell Love started off with Ian and Helen may forget Cheesegate, we won't. And Laura Jackson replied, Ian has lost his moral compass. First encouraging Adam to throw Stella under the bus, we the sea driller, and now giving Helen a pass for cheating with the cheese. What's wrong with him? Our own Witherspoon was at odds with David Archer. Oh no, I've never outgrown my ketchup face, and David is too part of the ketchup generation. And that split our little community with Helen Blackburn being at one end of the spectrum, calling it the food of the devil, to the other end where people were lining up according to which brand was best. Then Darcy Jorgensen mentioned the, the fall of the room of tea. She commented on Natasha's plan for world domination. Aspirational my ash. That may be an autocorrect. Last week the tea room didn't have enough tables and now it's looking cluttered. Run with it, Natasha. Run it into the ground. Stammer and Pip were the next thing that we started chatting about. Fran Danilowitz said, I know we all love Stella, but maybe not in the same giddy way that Pip does. And many are asking why Stella doesn't just walk away rather than be Pip's hidden secret. But what if Stella has fooled us all and is only in it to be able to take a share of the Brookfield when Ruth and David retire and hand over the reins to Pip? Fiona Casper replied, Stella didn't initiate the potential racial relationship. Why does every action generate a conspiracy? How about just listening to the story instead of speculating? Oh no, Fiona. If we outlawed speculation, we might as well all shut up shop and go home now then there was paul and josh arguing over how old was old and where they should go and doing what sort of things darcy came back with i was in my mid-20s until the day before i turned 30 whereas pam delai said my mother used to say i turned 40 before i turned 10 but the majority of us seemed to think like paul norris who said, I'm still in my mid-twenties and have been an Archer's listener for about 50 years. I was concerned that Paul was strong-arming Josh into going out clubbing in town for his birthday rather than a few quiet drinks with friends. That probably reflects more on my advanced years because Sarah Ferguson said, Dear Paul, hooray for you. Please can we go party, sip Bacardi? Then there was the unnamed woman who was sold an Ikea sandwich by Jim. Debbie Johnson said, Who the hell was that woman? It's infuriating when they did that. Benjamin Kevin said, Predict the unknown person will turn out to be Adil's sister and possibly the GP Helen goes to see on Friday. Well, Benjamin, you're at least 50% right. Talking of Helen, quite a few of us were unconvinced of the overness of the Rob situation. 
I mean, a proven bully with control issues, a very short time to live and an inflated ego won't pay much attention to a court ruling, given that he actually hasn't got a lot to lose or long to live. And finally, our hearts go out to Ruth Pearl, who said, When you're visiting England from the States and tune in to listen at the usual 2pm instead of 7pm. Well, Ruth, hope you have a nice day and it is better than turning in, tuning in five hours too late. Finally, finally, I have to say a big thank you for everything she's done over the years to Philippa. I'm not going to say what you've done for me because you know, and that's all that matters. Good luck to you, Quentin and Katie, in the new venture, and I sincerely hope it doesn't stop you calling in or joining in on Facebook. And that is it for this week. I look forward to another week of fun and frolics on the Dump to Dump Facebook pages and hope to be in touch with all of you. Be warned, though, when the chat starts, you can be there for hours. Oh, Rob, thank you so much. That is just the loveliest roundup and message. Thank you. Um, means an awful lot to myself and, and Quentin and Katie. Thank you. That was splendid. And thanks to everyone on the Facebook group. Now to Twitter, where you'll find us at Dumpty Dum. Make sure you include the Archers hashtag. That's one word using a capital T and A. That's because it's, it means the visually impaired who use screen readers can enjoy any Archers based tweets. As well as at Dumpty Dum, I can be found with my bookish musings at QuickBook Review with a three, not a W. And I can be found at 13 Minute Man. That's one three minute man. So who's on the Twitter podium this week? Hello, it's Fry here. And now on Dumpty Dum, it's time for Tweet of the Week. Hello, Philippa, Quentin and Dumpty Dummers everywhere. It's Purple Pumpkin here with a selection of Tweets of the Week. And my thanks as ever to Bernadette, Jen, Brian, Richard and everyone who tags at Dumpty Dum to make sure we see all the best ones. When discussing this week on Twitter, I'm afraid I'm avoiding the threads about what's on the menu for Helen's various meals because I can't seem to find my sense of humour when it comes to eating disorders. But I did very much enjoy Charlie Notton renaming Tom and Natasha's twins from Seren and Nova to Black Hole and Neutron. I think that should catch on. I also liked a number of threads about Natasha's aspirations for the tea room, especially one message from Spare Mousy. You remember Spare Mousy, who Rory loved so much, who suggested that Fallon should negotiate a really good salary for herself, encourage Natasha to overspend on the refurbishment, and then when the Enterprise goes belly up, offer to take it off their hands for a song. I think that would be great fun but of course much of the humor this week has been around the um, shall we call it excitement of when exactly Ruth will realize that her daughter and her new best friend are in a relationship so over to my medals for tweets of the week which this week are all about that storyline in bronze position it's newcomer Magda Biren Taylor at Magda underscore Biren I think the main banner across the judging tent at the Fruit, Flower and Produce show is going to read, It's Stella, stupid. <laughs> the silver medal goes to Lainey at Elaine Wharton 1. Wonder what's on the menu tonight? Burnt pizza with a side of Are You Pips Lesbian Crush? <laughs> and the gold medal goes to Ian at Ruth Ian, who has really put in some work to developing the backstory for his fictional band, Lesbian Mentor. It's a long tweet, cleverly using a picture to get around Twitter word limits, so bear with me. Okay, everyone, remember the album is out tomorrow and Lesbian Mentor will be in the ball, signing copies from 1pm. In the meantime, an AI language model has helped me create a track list, and here it goes. 
Track one, Farmstead Electronica. Track two, Village of Her Heart. Track three, Stella's Heartbeat. Four, Ambridge Allure, Her Melodies. Five, Country Courting. Six, Pub Tales and Acoustic Trails. Seven, Riverside Rural Rhythm. Eight, Echoes of Ambridge. Nine, A Love Song for the Fields. And ten, Pip and Stella's Harvest Harmony. (laughs) Well, Ian, you really worked for that one. Well done. That's it for this week. Hope to see you all on Twitter next time. Thank you for that purple pumpkin and congratulations to all who were mentioned on this week's roundup, but especially these medal winners. In bronze, Magda Biran Taylor at Magda underscore Biran. In silver, Lani at Elaine Wharton one. And in gold, the magnificent Ian at Rutherian. And don't forget, we are on Instagram. You can find us at Dumpty Dum. Next week's episode will be hosted by the power duo Jacqueline and Stephen, and they would love to have your contributions by the end of play on Friday, please. Well, as we come to the end of this episode, we need to say thanks to all our wonderful contributors and to our social media supremos. The whole Dumpty Dum team are amazing. They are indeed. And we must also say thank you to Shambridge for her voices and our podcasting parents, Lucy V. Freeman and Royfield Brown. Thank you so much for being with us all the way. We hope to still be very much part of the Dum-de-dum family as we venture off to pastures new. That reminds me, I need to go and borrow some of Pat's nice <laughs> biscuits. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 